Greetings, all of you afterlife explorers, and welcome to episode two of the book club designed just for us. I'm Bill Gleason, your host and literary curator. The Afterlife Explorers Book Club is all about digging into books that explore through research, science, and evidential experiences what happens when we die. More specifically, I'm acquainting you with books that add to an increasing body of evidence that our consciousness doesn't die with our physical bodies and that there is indeed an afterlife. If you listen to episode one, you know a little bit about me and my early in life experience with organized religion that included, of all things, an electric torture chair. Yep. I also shared a bit about my later in life spiritual journey, which was made possible through books, most of them evidence-based books written by men and women of science. For those of you who didn't listen to episode one, let me briefly explain the sequence in which I'm sharing my book reports. Believe it or not, there's a bit of method to the madness. We're starting the first meeting of the club today with an exploration of the premise that our consciousness isn't extinguished when our bodies die and that we transition to some other realm. Later, we'll move on to evidence that suggests those who've crossed over can and do communicate with the physical plane through the use of intuitive mediums. Then we'll spend some time on the topic of reincarnation with an emphasis on books written by doctors who've employed rigorous research to advance the hypothesis that we've lived many physical lives. So let's dig into our very first book. It's called Life After Life, a book written by Dr. Raymond Moody and published in 1975. My copy of the book happens to be the 25th anniversary edition. It's a paperback that's only 175 pages, so you can easily read it in a day or two. My version has a preface by Moody colleague Melvin Morse, MD, and a lovely foreword by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who really opened us all up to discussing the topic of death with her well-known 1965 book titled On Death and Dying. So when Dr. Moody was an undergrad studying philosophy at the University of Virginia, he met Dr. George Ritchie, who happened to be teaching psychiatry in the college's School of Medicine. Moody was fortunate to be present with a small group of students when the professor shared that he had experienced and cheated death, not only once, but twice, about 10 minutes apart. And he shared a pretty fantastic account of what transpired. While the professor's story was intriguing, Dr. Moody filed it away and carried on with his studies. After earning his doctorate in philosophy and while teaching at a North Carolina university, he lectured about one of Plato's works that delved into, among other subjects, immortality. So one day a student came to see Dr. Moody after class and shared a near-death story that his grandmother had experienced during surgery. The series of events described by that student were remarkably similar to those that Dr. Moody's old psychiatry professor had described years before. Well, now Dr. Moody's interest was really piqued and he began proactively talking about human survival of biological death in his lectures. And in nearly every one of his classes, he said at least one student would seek him out to relate a personal experience. 
Dr. Moody enrolled in medical school in the early 1970s, and by this time, he'd amassed a number of near-death case studies. In fact, it was Dr. Moody who actually coined the term near-death experience, which I'll abbreviate as an NDE. He began giving public talks on the subject, and physicians started referring him to patients whom they'd resuscitated and who shared peculiar experiences. After a while, Dr. Moody became somewhat of an informal expert on NDEs, which were still very much under the radar at that time and even considered taboo in some circles. In 1975, a small publisher in Georgia called Mockingbird Press published Life After Life. The publisher told Dr. Moody that the book might sell as many as 5,000 copies. Well, as many of us know, Life After Life went on to sell millions of copies, becoming one of the best-selling nonfiction books of all time, an international bestseller. Early on in the book, Dr. Moody writes that he studied about 150 cases of near-death phenomenon. They included experiences of three categories of people, those who were resuscitated after having been determined to be clinically dead by their doctors, those who came very close to death as a result of accidents, injury, or illness, and those who related their experiences to other people as they died, and those people reported the experiences to Dr. Moody. Later in the book, he acknowledges that the definition of death is certainly controversial and by no means settled. He lists three definitions, the absence of clinically detectable vital signs, the absence of brainwave activity, and an irreversible loss of vital functions. Over time, Dr. Moody found striking similarities in the stories that he was collecting from people who fit into one or more of these categories. In fact, he identified more than a dozen common elements in the near-death experiences that recurred over and over again. They included memories of being pronounced dead, hearing strange, disquieting noises, moving through a long, dark tunnel, being outside one's body and actually seeing it from a distance and watching resuscitation attempts. Other common experiences included seeing the spirits of dead relatives, participating in a panoramic review of life, and approaching a barrier or a border at which the experiencer is ultimately turned back because it's not his or her time to die. There are also accounts of feelings of intense love and joy and of really not wanting to leave the special environment they found themselves in. After recovering, NDEers often had difficulty describing their experience, and many ultimately just gave up trying. But their lives were profoundly affected, particularly in how they felt about life after death. Dr. Moody points out that no two stories are exactly alike, and nobody reports having every single one of the most common experiences, although many people did report eight or more. Much of Dr. Moody's book includes fascinating and vividly written first-person accounts of these experiences. For example, one person recalled seeing a deceased grandmother, a childhood acquaintance, and a number of other relatives and friends. The person felt that these spirits were there to guide or protect and were serving as kind of greeters. These moments were described with words like beautiful and glorious. To Dr. Moody, the most incredible experience in the stories he's collected 
and one that seems to have a particularly profound effect on the experiencer is the common appearance of what he describes as a being of light, something that starts out dim, but ultimately reaches what he describes an unearthly brilliance. Moody writes that nobody doubted this was a being of light. It's often described as a personal being that radiates love and warmth. Dr. Moody found that while encountering the being of light is consistent, the explanation of it varies from person to person, and it seems to be according to the religion or beliefs of the individual. Labels for this radiant light ranged from Christ or an angel to a guide or simply a being of light. Another common report that I personally find extraordinary is what's called the life review. Typically, experiencers describe a rapid, vibrant, and very real 3D kind of show that moves very quickly through one's life, including the good and not so good parts. Some people who've experienced a life review as part of a near-death event report that everything they'd ever done, both mundane and significant, was included in the review, while others saw only life highlights. On the subject of telling others about their experience, I found it interesting that although NDEers had absolutely no doubt their experiences were absolutely real, hyper-real in fact, Dr. Moody says many were reluctant or unwilling to tell others lest they be branded as kooky or mentally unhinged. Now, keep in mind, Dr. Moody first started collecting cases of NDEs back in the 1970s, and death and deathbed visions were touchy topics then. Given that we're much more comfortable these days talking about death and what comes after, my sense is that people today are much more likely to acknowledge and discuss their own experiences, all the better for increasing our collective understanding of death and dying and what lies beyond. In the course of my own reading of Dr. Moody's book, as well as many others on topics related to the afterlife, I found my fear of death, while really never particularly acute, diminished and ultimately disappeared. Not surprisingly, Dr. Moody found something similar with the folks whose NDEs he studied. He writes that while certainly no one wants a painful or agonizing death, nearly every experiencer expressed to him in one fashion or another that they no longer had a fear of death. Some were convinced death is simply a transition from one state to another, or as moving into a higher state of consciousness. As one person put it, I know I'll still live somewhere. Part three of Life After Life is called Parallels, and here, Dr. Moody points to famous writings over the ages that address death and dying. He spends a bit of time on the Bible, quoting a number of verses that seem to reference the notion of a life after physical death. He references the writing of St. Paul to the Corinthians, in which he says, There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Dr. Moody also references the writings of the Greek philosopher Plato, who lived in Athens from 428 to 348 BC. Now, Plato, as it turns out, was down with the concept of different planes and dimensions of reality, and he believed that in order to understand our physical dimension, 
we needed to wrap our heads around the non-physical planes. In fact, he regarded the physical body as a temporary shell or a vehicle of the soul. And his writings include descriptions of death that are like those from people who've gone through the near-death experience, including going out of body and experiencing the life review, passageways, divine beings, and boundaries. Now, to be honest, I have no memory of the little Plato I know I must have been forced to read in high school. So I'll take Dr. Moody's word for it when he describes what Plato thought about the soul. And that is that our soul enters our body at birth from a much more sophisticated and divine dimension. And what we call birth is actually akin to sleeping and forgetting in the sense that the physical plane is comparatively dumbed down and we're limited in what we can experience and learn with our five senses. Conversely, Plato describes physical death as an awakening and remembering, a point at which we can think and reason with exceedingly greater clarity. Toward the end of the book, Dr. Moody also touches on the Tibetan Book of the Dead, whose descriptions of the early stages of death are very consistent with those the doctor identified in the near-death experiences that he studied. The point here is that while Dr. Moody was instrumental in quantifying, curating, and bringing people's near-death experiences to a global audience, the notion of the survival of consciousness doesn't represent any kind of new thinking. People have been having and reporting these experiences for millennia. For those who purchased Dr. Moody's book when it first was published in 1975, Readers must have been wide-eyed with the information they'd been presented with. This was a mind-blowing new concept to most everyone back then, and he acknowledges this by devoting a section of the book to addressing the questions he was being asked at the time. I'll share just a few of the intriguing points that he makes. In a few of the cases Dr. Moody identified, a suicide attempt brought on the NDE, and he describes all of those experiences being most unpleasant. The issues that prompted their suicide attempts were not only present when they died, but they were even further exacerbated. One woman said, if you leave here a tormented soul, you will be a tormented soul over there too. Now, I've also read similar accounts in other books that echo this view. At one point in this section, Dr. Moody puts forth a hypothesis that if the body and mind separate at death and the mind passes into another realm, it makes sense that there's some kind of a mechanism that releases the mind or soul from our body. And he wonders whether it's possible that this mechanism might also kick in even briefly in anticipation of an actual physical crisis, a close brush with death, for example. So I wonder, can that explain the phenomenon that many of us, including myself, have experienced of seeing our lives pass before our eyes when we felt certain we were about to die? Maybe. Back when Moody wrote Life After Life, lots of folks were curious as to whether there were differences between men and women and near-death experiences. He said there didn't seem to be a difference in the types or content of experience that men and women reported, but that men were far less inclined to share their stories. I know, shocking, right? While more men acknowledged to Dr. Moody that they had such an experience, they were less apt to respond to letters or return calls when he tried to follow up. 
So what causes near-death experiences? Now, Dr. Moody is a man of science, and I believe he knew full well that he was opening a can of worms by writing this book. And he was very inclusive in discussing possible explanations. Some believe that these experiences are caused by therapeutic medications that were given to the person at the time. After all, he says most agree that certain drugs, legal and illicit, can cause delusion and hallucinations. Anesthesia medications are often mentioned as a likely trigger. And while Dr. Moody acknowledges some points of similarity in reports by those under anesthesia, he tends to rule this out as a cause of NDEs, noting that in many cases, the individual was never under anesthesia, nor the influence of any drug. At this point, fellow explorers, I'm going to toggle over briefly to another book on this topic, Evidence of the Afterlife by Dr. Jeffrey Long with Paul Perry. Dr. Long, who is a radiation oncologist, established the nonprofit International Near-Death Experience Research Foundation, also known as NDERF, which, among other things, collects and maintains a worldwide repository of firsthand near-death experience reports. So a section of his book called Evidence of the Afterlife addresses this question of anesthesia being the cause of NDEs. He cites a study of about 600 NDEers, 23 of whom experienced an NDE while under general anesthesia, and the other 590 whose experiences did not occur while under anesthetic. Bottom line, both groups had similar experiences, although those under anesthesia reported encountering a tunnel more often. Dr. Long also found that among those NDEers under general anesthesia, 83% said that they were more conscious and alert than normal, nearly 10% more than all other NDE experiencers. Dr. Long makes the point that if consciousness were only a product of the physical brain, wouldn't it follow that experiencers under anesthesia would have less consciousness and alertness than those who weren't? After all, he says general anesthesia produces unconsciousness with no possibility of a lucid memory. Dr. Long says his finding that typical NDEs do occur with people under anesthesia is strong evidence that consciousness can exist apart from the body. Okay, back to Dr. Moody's life after life and the topic of drugs, more specifically psychedelics. Dr. Moody notes that for millennia, people have turned to hallucinogenic drugs in order to achieve other states of consciousness and planes of reality. In the book, he mentions peyote, which was used widely by indigenous populations on this continent, but these days we're hearing a lot about the increasing supervised use of drugs like ayahuasca and psilocybin to attain enlightenment. Dr. Moody reasons that if these drugs really do provide a pathway to other realms, perhaps the experience of dying happens to be another, which would account for the similarities in experiences people describe. In considering psychological explanations, Dr. Moody looked at what happens to the mind and body of someone who's isolated. Some who've been placed in solitary conditions did report unusual experiences that coincide with some of those reported by folks who've had NDEs. 
things like seeing spirits or ghosts, time distortions, being separated from their body, and being at one with the universe. So Dr. Moody wonders whether the physiological changes that occur with bodily death might ignite a near total severing of sensory input to the brain, as many near-death experiencers report feelings of isolation and loneliness when they were out of body. In short, he speculates that isolation, hallucinatory drugs, and coming close to death may all be ways of entering alternative realms of consciousness. Interesting stuff for us afterlife explorers to ponder. Some believe that the near-death experience is some type of last gasp of a dying brain. However, Dr. Moody notes that many experiences he studied happened prior to any stress of that type taking place, and some cases where there wasn't any bodily injury at all. Dr. Moody also tends to rule out dreams, hallucinations, and delusions as plausible explanations. At the end of the day, Dr. Moody is left not necessarily with conclusions or proof acknowledging that his work wasn't a scientific study by any stretch. Instead, he describes impressions that include feelings, questions, analogies, and findings requiring further study and explanation. With Life After Life, Dr. Moody opened the door to many more studies and books on this important topic. And three quarters of a century later, people are still studying the near-death experience. One of the cool things that's happened since Life After Life was published has been the creation of the organization I mentioned earlier, the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation, otherwise known as NDERF. If you've had an NDE yourself, I'd encourage you not only to check out Dr. Moody's pioneering book, but to visit nderf.org, N-D-E-R-F.org, and add your story to the repository. Now, before I sign off, I want to share that in my 25th anniversary edition of the book, Dr. Moody closes with a tantalizing afterword in which he teases a fascinating topic. He says it's not unusual for someone who's with a dying person to actually participate in that individual's near-death experience. In fact, Dr. Moody believes that shared death experiences take us closer to proof of an afterlife than any other event even the near-death experience. This and other revelations are part of another book by Raymond Moody called Glimpses of Eternity, which just so happens to be the subject of the next episode of the Afterlife Explorers Book Club. Can't wait for you to listen. So that's going to do it for our very first book report. If you've enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and tell a buddy. And thanks, by the way, for giving me the most valuable thing you have to give, and that is your time. So bye, everybody, for now. Look forward to you joining me again 